how do we get something like strong and powerful and secure like Bitcoin? How do we get it programmable? It's through the use of the Bitcoin Oracle. We're giving users, the people who own Bitcoin, the people who own their wealth and their power and their sovereignty, giving them the choice to then say how they want to move it. Oh, instead of me physically giving the input, I can say, if this other item happens in the world, then that other item in the world can dictate the Bitcoin moving. And so I've been, as a non-engineer, I've been just saying like, if then statements, like if this happens, then the Bitcoin will move. So, and it's kind of the same thing of like my mortgage payment, like on the first of every month gets pulled. If it is the first of the month, then the ACH protocol talks to my bank account protocol and pulls the money. And so that's positive because that's creating automation in my life that's lightening my mental load that's then allowing me to be here talking to you guys today. If you're going to pay the rent on the first of every month, I want my I don't want my bank to be running some code in the cloud written by who knows where, you know, closed source, whatever. And they're going to they're going to send a message saying it's time to pay the rent. I want an open source contract. I want everybody able to read it and verify it. I want to agree to it. I want only my private keys are the ones that are able to interact with it. You know, instead of, you know, JP Morgan having to build everything in house, now you can have, you know, GitHub repos and people forking each other and building and adapting on top of each other and just kind of faster innovation. Hey everyone, welcome back to Bitcoin is Hard. This is a Choice App production about Bitcoin and personal finance. Today we have a full house. We got the whole DLC link team here. And so we're gonna do a classic round robin to just, to just kick this off and say, guys, introduce yourself like individually and then just hit me with, as a team, what are you guys doing? Cool, cool. I, I can go first. Uh, Akibolog, I'm doing my second startup. My first was in AI. I, I led an AI company for eight years was coming off of that, wanted to build something that helps society. I thought Bitcoin was a great you know, platform and technology to build on, a lot of benefits and, and a great community. And uh, so I, I basically co-founded DLC Link with Jesse here. And, uh, and we've been building, uh, you know, we'll talk about that in detail, but we've been building more advanced capabilities into Bitcoin. Perfect. Great. Uh, I'm Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg, uh, CTO here at DLC Link. I got a background in software. I'm actually born and raised in Silicon Valley there in San Francisco. Um, traditional background in, in tech, uh, been building on crypto for about a year, but was introduced to it, you know, way back in the, the Bitcoin meetups from the beginning of time we were over in, in Silicon Valley. And uh, so always been interested in Bitcoin, was kind of a maxi for a while in the beginning, like many people. Uh, my eyes were open to smart contracts along the way and I said, okay, now this is actually what's going to change the world, not just money. And um, and now we've stumbled upon this incredible way to bridge the two, Bitcoin and smart contracts, and that's what we'll be talking about more today. Yep. Thanks again, Brian, for having me on. My name is Matt. I'm the solutions engineer here at, at DLC Link. Uh, come from a traditional financial background of doing tech audit and data analytics. Um, got pretty bored with that and... Uh, Decided to pursue a career in, in crypto and uh, met Aki and Jesse uh, not too long ago last year and have been kind of the uh, guy to talk about what, what can you do with DLCs, what can you do with Bitcoin, with smart contracts um, to anyone that's willing to listen to me speak. So, Guys, perfect. So I want to hit that, like, that top point that you brought up. So background in like traditional general tech of various things, but then wanted to work on Bitcoin 
to help society? Like, talk through that. Like, what what do you see as the difference between building on Bitcoin versus kind of other tech stuff that's going out there? Where does it interact and where is it different? I, th- I think for me, Bitcoin and crypto more broadly is the intersection of a couple of different things. So the ability to program money, uh, the ability to for people to have self-sovereign money. So the decoupling of money from state or money from, you know, uh, government actions or regulation or whatever. I mean, I guess regulation has a place in it, but 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 that, you know, the ability for fintech to happen with you know innovation to happen faster and easier you know instead of you know jp morgan having to build everything in-house now you can have you know github repos and people forking each other and building and adapting on top of each other and just kind of faster innovation Um, the ability to have community involvement in building software and you know communities uh, working together um, and and especially you know developers and communities you know building things together. So it's I probably left out like one or two big key points about it, but the the, the fact that the, all of that came over. Oh yeah, and then the ability to do crowdfunding, you know, with tokens and the ability to raise capital, not just from accredited investors, but from you know anyone who believes in the vision, and then to use that token in ver- those tokens in various ways is also pretty genius. So probably like some mix of those five that. Mm-hmm. You know, just the the impact, it, it was huge because the issue with AI that I ran into, I mean, AI is amazing. It's changing the world. But you do get into this problem where, cert, you know, a couple of large platforms own most of the data and have, you know, tremendous budgets for processing and servers and GPUs so they can train better models. So it ends up being a landscape basically owned by like Google, Facebook and China. And, yep. you know, Dar- DARPA is also nowhere. For, so it really is just private U.S. companies and then Chinese companies or, or government. So, you know, it, it wasn't a place where kind of, you know, that made it easy for grassroots innovation, whereas crypto really is just there's so much to build and everyone can kind of play a part with whatever skills they have. No, love that. And, and then, OK, so then, Jesse, to you off of that, when you talk about you brought up a little bit this friction between Bitcoin and smart contracts, like. How do you present what the friction is? And then we can get into maybe how DLCs help ease that friction. Absolutely. Great. Um, You know, I'm actually sort of in the camp, although I think smart contracts play an, an incredibly important role in so many aspects of the future of government and voting and banking and so many things. Um, you know, I, I can definitely get down with the idea that Bitcoin itself in its current state, it doesn't need much of for improvements. It It is already a very safe, secure money. And don't you want it to just be dead simple? Don't you want the bottom layer to be absolutely clear and safe and, and obviously going to be behaving just the way you think it is? And then you can build various layers around on top to do all kinds of cool things. So I think that's what's very compelling. Uh, I'll di- dive in a little bit to DLCs then, just at a, a, a top yeah. layer, a little bit. Is it that's what we find very compelling about DLCs is that you're you can move Bitcoin around in a smart way with a very uh, great amount of discretion. Not a lot of information goes on the, the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, a lot of that's handled between just the the participants with your Bitcoin wallet, just the through the signature. Uh, you know, an Oracle moves the Bitcoin around and you and then if you trust that Oracle and depending on how the Oracle is built, you're now programming Bitcoin. It's moving around. 
And, and we finished that off, unlike some other um, DLC, great DLC products out there, we're bringing that across to uh, smart contracts on other chains. For instance, Stacks, we've done a bunch of work with Stacks because they've got a great philosophy that aligns with Bitcoin. We like ETH. Um, wherever you want to build code, as uh, to, to go back to what Aki was saying, wherever you want to build code that moves money, that does incredibly important things and empowers developers and uh, you know changes the whole infrastructure, the whole concept of how governments and businesses run our lives, move mm -hmm. that down to the to blockchains, to smart contracts, let those power oracles, Bitcoin oracles, we like to call them. Matt can talk more about the concept of the Bitcoin Oracle. Mm -hmm. Let those smart contracts that are that are absolutely verified and open source and, and trusted. Um, or on whichever network you as the user prefer, power a Bitcoin Oracle that's going to move your Bitcoin around. And the Bitcoin is where the value is. And that's what actually gets stuff done. And that's that's where we connect the two together. Mm -hmm. I feel that because I made Matt my definitions guy on the phone the other day when we were <laughs> prepping for this as well. And this is what's in my brain now. But so between both of you, like, can you run through the definitions for us? The like, uh, what is a smart contract? What is a discrete log contract? And then I also want to know, if it might be the same question, but it might be different. Describe to me when you say layers and when you say kind of across blockchains, if it's easier, just lay out your architecture from, from the top, like how you think about multi-chain or cross-chain, however, whatever words you use. So yeah, lay I out think... some definitions and give me some high level. Awesome. Yeah, I think I think where we like to start this conversation with anyone, you know, high level engineer, um, you know, low level engineer, someone that just, you know, has heard of it. What, what is Bitcoin? It's like this this concept of the Oracle problem, which you touched on um, and through through other projects, just Chainlink and Redstone and these other ideas of solving the Oracle problem. Bitcoin has its own unique Oracle problem. And so sometimes we like to start with saying, well, what is, what is, what is the Oracle problem? And, mm -hmm. you know, not to be the definitions guy, it's like the Oracle problem is these great secure platforms like Bitcoin and other smart contract platforms do things really well, but certain things, other things need input to make our daily lives better. And for society to grow as a whole, when you have real world events and real world data. So to get what Jesse was saying, this immediate, this super powerful concrete base layer, say being Bitcoin, something so fundamentally secure. How do you program and make it better? Probably the next step is is bringing in real world events to then change people's lives, move wealth around, move power around, and and to bring it back towards that sovereign individual and that people. So with the Bitcoin Oracle problem, it's well because blockchains have this real world data problem that they can't they need a way to get that onto the blockchain. Well, we do that for everything when it comes to getting information into Bitcoin. And so to touch on what we call the Bitcoin Oracle problem, it's that how do we get something that's like strong and powerful and secure like Bitcoin? How do we get it programmable? It's through the use of the Bitcoin Oracle. Um, and to touch on the other part of it of, well, you know, why is that important? Because sometimes people think that Bitcoin is just it's one. This is what it does. This is it. No more. You know, no more. Don't touch it. It works. It's great. Has its use case. It's that. The way we are building it, and we can and Jesse and I can talk about this further, is that we're giving users, the people who own Bitcoin, the people who own their wealth and their power and their sovereignty, giving them the choice to then say how they want to move it and not presenting them. This is what you have to do to move it. It's yep. like, no, no, no. 
you leave it in the hands of the developers, the people that want to use it the way they want to. Um, and let me try to give a dumbed down example. So a dumb, uh, so I have a Bitcoin wallet and I want to send Bitcoin to you. I am the human putting input into the wallet that's saying, send the Bitcoin over there. But what I'm hearing said and where I'm, the way that my brain is translating what like a contract and smart contract is, is I can now, instead of me physically giving the input, I can say, if this other item happens in the world, then that other item in the world can dictate the Bitcoin moving. And so I've been, as a non-engineer, I've been just saying like, if then statements, like if this happens, then the Bitcoin will move. So, and it's kind of the same thing of like my mortgage payment, like on the first of every month gets pulled. If it is the first of the month, then the ACH protocol talks to my bank account protocol and pulls the money. And so that's, positive because that's creating automation in my life that's lightening my mental load that's then allowing me to be here talking to you guys today and so that's that's kind of where i'm like coming at it from no and i think positive i think that summarizes it perfectly and really hits in the essence of you're freeing up time energy to do other things to make things better we happen to be doing that for for bitcoin you know and that's what we're so stoked about perfect talk to me guys talk to me about this i liked when jesse said building code that moves money and like where I, so then as the Bitcoiner, right? Like I just kind of immediately go to like, Oh, that's what Bitcoin's doing or whatever. And I kind of fall into this other thing of like, why do you need a blockchain for that? Like, how do you guys walk through that question of the, why do you need a blockchain for that? Or is it possible? Like is our discrete log contracts, a blockchain? They're not a blockchain. Like they're scripting without a blockchain. Right. And so, are is this like multi-chain thesis misguided or how do you how do you combine both those things uh i'd love to feel that one um yeah super super passionate great question Uh, i really i really love how this all um comes together so i'll start with something real simple and then i'll add a little bit more complexity which which is adding the how, how great you know the blockchains can be guaranteed with with the more members who are participating in it but at the simple level, a DLC is, is an agreement. It's a contract between two participants on Bitcoin. Uh, and on chain, it ends up looking about like a multi-sig. It looks like you sent money into a multi-sig. That's all Bitcoin needs to see. Uh, once, the, once the money has been sent into the DLC, the set of possible outcomes of where that money can go back out to those same two participants, whether it all goes to the first one, it all goes to you, all goes to the bank, some 50-50 split. The outcomes are predefined. You agree to those before you enter into the contract. And then there's an Oracle, a Bitcoin Oracle, who's going to potentially use some data from the real world, from a blockchain, from somewhere that you're trusting to agree to make that payout. And for a couple of reasons, this is a pretty good idea because the use, the Oracle can't send money to themselves. So already the incentive structure is pretty good that they're not going to just cheat and steal the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's not one of the predefined outcomes. It can only go back to the, to the two um, participants in some predefined way. Uh, from there, you might actually want to use. So then why do you trust this Oracle and why do you trust the data they're, they're getting? OK, so that's the next level. Level two. Let's use multiple oracles, multiple Bitcoin oracles. Maybe they guarantee their outcome through some slashing fee. 
Maybe uh, they're a really great brand name that you just trust. Maybe you, you're, you're going to pick three out of five and all three, three out of five, maybe five out of five have to agree on the outcome. Whatever level of trust you need can scale it up as far as you want to say, OK, yeah, this is a trustworthy set of oracles. I can't believe that there's any way they could have an incentive to mess this up. This Bitcoin is going to move in the right way. Where do they get their data from? Well, then we see a traditional blockchain like Ethereum, like something like that, being the best source of dictating why money is supposed to move somewhere. If you're going to pay the rent on the first of every month, I want my I don't want my bank to be running some code in the cloud written by who knows where, you know, closed source, whatever. And they're going to they're going to send a message saying it's time to pay the rent. I want an open source contract. I want everybody to be able to read it and verify it. I want to agree to it. I want only my private keys are the ones that are able to interact with it. And that's why we power our DLC, our, pardon me, our Bitcoin oracles are all mm -hmm. powered by a smart, coin, uh, smart contract on one of these mm -hmm. networks that you as the user either already read yourself or you, you know mm -hmm. it's been verified. Mm -hmm. And then, no, I love that. So I love that. And then, so... What then would happen from there is I'm kind of just rehashing the discussion because I think it's a good discussion to have. What, what, would, what would happen from there is people would say, well, is Ethereum censorship resistant in the same way that Bitcoin is censorship resistant? Like, right? And what, what's your response to that? I have one, too. I can go first if you want me to go first, too. It's curious to hear what you think, but we've, yeah. I think we all have a lot to say on that. <laughs> Perfect. So, like, my thing is... Previously, I think I was stuck like in that kind of loop of like I couldn't crack through that thing because it made sense. Like there is logic there in some sense because it feels very different and it feels like we've never had money as secure as Bitcoin before. And so once you have money as, as secure as Bitcoin before and you're kind of replacing the mentality of having an old world bank account with that, you don't want to like give any of that up. Right. But then when I think more about just using the mortgage payment example in my head, it's like there's probably ways to write into the contract that like a max so uh if something does go wrong with the contract like it's there's still a max limit on how much like could move so we have that like ability and then also kind of the same thing it's like the same i don't have to have you know the same thing of like use a different password on all the websites that you use so that if one one website gets compromised like they don't have your like core one to go and try at other websites like just because this is now my mortgage agreement and then this is my employment contract agreement. And then over here is my like weekend, like sports betting with my other buddy agreement. Like if a problem arises across whatever brand of Oracle I chose or whatever happened with the software contract, I like decided to use, but like bummer, honestly, bummer. Like, but like that, that's also in the real world that happens. Like if I had an agreement like with my small business partner to open the bar and then I like bought a car with the company money that wasn't in the original agreement. Now we have an issue like and now we have to go to an arbiter to like decide what happens with the thing. And so that's kind of where I wrap the like the, the Oracle problem and the like security of where the data is coming with problem kind of all into one is like it as soon as I started recognizing how do actual contracts work that I'm already participating in, like I'm on the phone with you today because I have a DocuSign contract with my employer to do the, like to do the work. And I already rely on the software at DocuSign. Then what Jesse just described 
it isn't that much far of a stretch. Like as far as after I like actually walk through, wait a minute, what am I actually already doing in my life? So yeah, what do you, what do you guys think off of that? The, I mean, the, the, I, I have to go for it. Let me just jump sure. in real quick. The, the fact that this is a 10 year old technology that we're already trying to equate to what all of civilization has built around legal systems and payment systems. And we're like, is it really better? It's brand new and it might be much better already. And the proof is going to be in the pudding, of course. But like, I think it's just so clear that we're moving towards something that is going to be a better foundation, a more trustworthy foundation than all the crazy house of cards infrastructure we've built around how we do things currently. Right. You can break that contract you've got uh, your lawyer could anyone could. And then we got to go to court and throw a bunch of lawyers at it. And is Ethereum better than that? Probably. And if it's in some ways, if it's not, it's going to it's going to be in a year or two or three or five or Solana will be better. I mean, we're clearly on a path that's going to make this cheaper and faster and more trustworthy than what we've had before. Because and software so, is extremely yeah. malleable. I think sometimes I think sometimes we get stuck in that as well of like, this is the first time from a user perspective, this is the first time from a user perspective that kind of open source software has been almost like seen as better than the closed source. Cause I, I'm super, super honest. Like I run my own website. I prefer Squarespace. Like I prefer Squarespace over WordPress. I like using it more. Like this is the first time with money and like everything that's happening that I've been presented with. Wow. That's better. Like that's worth it. That I'm down to use this other one now. Like that's worth it. So that's interesting. There's, Can we? There's um. There's a pr also a pretty big difference between censorship resistance on a kind of macro global currency scale. Like if there are sanctions imposed in a particular country, or there's a currency devaluation, or the Fed prints a bunch of money. You know, like what are the financial implications of that versus you know censorship from like DocuSign or facebook or something like that so the two are completely kind of on different scales and i think bitcoin is phenomenally successful of course because of its simplicity and its fixed you know financial monetary policy and and that's it and that's kind of the goal of that project and that it, it has accomplished that tremendously well it's proven in my view proven itself as a store of value that's it and then hard stop there and then everything else that gets built is for, you know, to add on to it or to, you know, extend it for various additional uses. But it doesn't have to be better than like, you know, DocuSign to be valuable. Mm -hmm. um, any other thoughts? I'm going to move on to asking you about gas tokens then. So, and we can come back. I want, I want to ask you then from the perspective of an investor or someone coming just brand new to crypto and thinking like, why should I buy Bitcoin? Why should I buy Ethereum? Why should I buy Link? Why should I buy Stacks? Why should I, like, what What should I do here? Like, why? why? What should I do with the information? Like, sounds good. I'm down. Sounds good. Like, make society better. How do I help? And how do I, like, invest in it, right? But I think what also creates friction in this conversation that we're having on top of the like on top of on top of having to understand how the actual computer science works a little bit between how the data layer is talking to the money layer you then also have to ask yourself like we it's taken me seven years of trying to figure out then like what the difference is between like a currency and a gas token like and is then a gas token trying to be a currency or whatever and so how do you guys think about that yeah, I think I can I think I can start us off by just saying, 
you know, currency is a means of exchange, right? You know, you, I, I will, I will do something like the, if this, then I will pay you this currency. And you're taking that for me as, as value, because you know that you can turn around and say, I will give you this if you do that for me. Um, with the gas token, you know, this is, this is something that you pay a very, and, and this is what we're working out in the, in the, the entire blockchain space of like, what is the price you would pay? to guarantee of that payment of, of information, of, of money, of, of goods and services. As we put more and more things on the blockchain where it's more transparent, as we move you know, upwards of hopefully quadrillions of dollars across the entire globe through this trust, more trustless because of the execution guarantee, trustless layer, what would you pay for that? You know, and I think that's, that's part of the proposition of why you would buy you know, a token in general um, you know, outside of Bitcoin's token prop proposition, um, you know, is if you do, do you believe that there, that there's value there and having that money and that energy flow through this trustless environment, um, mm -hmm. to make, you know, life a better place and things less frictionless. So, you know, I can not have to worry about my mortgage payment and I can go outside and play with my kid kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. and then, you know, it's so small. It's like that, that's the price you would pay for, for that added benefit of society. And if you think about it that way, um, sure, that means the chart goes up and to the right, but um, at a personal level, you can boil that down to, yeah, I mean, look at what I'm already paying for, what services I'm paying for, you know, my phone bill, my house, like, and to put it in perspective of, wow, it's, it's that little to do something with so much guaranteed execution and things that'll help me sleep at night. I, I think that's, that's, your, that's your value. That's where you bridge that currency and that value proposition of gas token and why, why do I need this? Mm-hmm. It also, these tokens also function to kind of my first point around, you know, crowdfunding and not having to be an accredited investor. It functions as a way to speculate on, on the value of a project, which does make it more, you know, it adds to the, the, the volatility for sure, because it's going to, there will be market manipulation and different, you know, actors uh, entering and ex exiting that token and whatever, shorting it. But, but it does give an opportunity for, a for people to speculate on projects that they like that they you know believe will succeed and it also gives a way for developers you know working on those projects to raise capital and also have some liquidity you know early liquidity without being locked into just private companies that either have to be acquired or IPO to you know pay back and and to me that's the other kind of big advantage of crypto is that it rewards development and developers and, you know, there are so many tokens. I mean, there's probably over 15,000 tokens at this point. So not all of them are going to attract that kind of funding, but the really good projects will. And the developers are then further in incentivized and rewarded for doing good work. Definitely. And look, that's been new to me recently is like rather than rather than seeing that as a problem that distracts from Bitcoin, I've realized that now a founder, so someone who wants to work on something and put it into the world now has the opportunity to either go the private stock market capital route or like the public crypto route. Like there truly are two options. Like which capital bucket do you want to work for? What type of company, like what type of thing do you want to start? And now you have an option. And so that's, um, that feels good. And, and not even to Go put ahead. it as like a as like a you now have the option um, that option comes with 
all those added benefits of, of, you know, transparency. Um, yep. you know, uh, you can do this 24 seven. It's, it's the, it's not only the option to go that route of say crowdfunding and, and building, um, you know, capital and, and, and energy to do that. It's like, there's also the benefit of, you know, people can see what's going on. Um, and when you go that private route, um, you know, there are not only the, the barriers to entry there, but then if there's further barriers that really inhibit sometimes, um, you know, things moving forward. Um, and that's, that's just another layer of not only are you breaking down the barrier to entry of this, this new way of, of, you know, funding ideas. Um, but now you're also making ideas, uh, you're, you're giving ideas a better, a better and faster and quicker way to, to innovate, which, you know, we desperately need, I think. Are talk to me about the kind of the discrete law contract community as a, a whole, like, does, is it always a multi-sec moving Bitcoin with the data feeds or are there also DLCs that will move gas tokens with a data feed? Like, is it always a gas token powering the data moving like Bitcoin as, because, because there is a little bit of an open question out there of like Ethereum does try to push. There are some people that think like ultrasound money and or just things like that. And there still just is some friction. Does, this feels fresh to me personally, a little bit of the way that you guys are describing it. It feels fresh to me of Bitcoin as base money, like tokens as like an alternative to uh, other types of funding, gas, like that all sits with me pretty, pretty well as someone who's like working towards using Bitcoin as my base money. But not everyone is like has that architecture in mind yet. What do you guys, are you experiencing positive reception or are there other ways to talk about this also? I mean, just to, you know, our, as DLC Link, as this company, our innovation is exploring the use of DLCs in applications on multiple chains with multiple tokens and so on. You know, we, we look at a DLC as a, you know, as a contract uh, between or an agreement between a human user and an application. So that's what we're exploring and developing. But, you know, some of the other DLC projects are, you know, contracts between two individuals that are made only in Bitcoin. And let's say there's a sports bet and, you know, one of the parties wins the bet. So that is a very common, you know, interpretation of, you know, a DLC use case. And that's there's different, you know, um, you know, different audiences for that. But we are specifically exploring humans, you know, using applications that are powered by smart contracts. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'd, I'd also add on that, you know, with, with DLC, so we believe Bitcoin is the base money. And um, actually, uh, maybe Aki can speak to it later. I guess we have an ebook, uh, a blog and an ebook coming out soon called Better Than Bridging, which is a way that we can say, like, get, get access to your Bitcoin, the value in your Bitcoin without bridging it onto a network, without having to trust some set of um, federated, you know, whatever. It's, it's like you just lock it, leave it in Bitcoin. We'll represent that reserve, that asset uh, in some format, in some kind of token or some way it's represented that, yeah, I promise I have Bitcoin. And if I mess up what I'm doing over here, if I trade it away, throw it away, whatever, it, it goes to, to shore up my actions um, on, a, on a blockchain. So that's how that bridge, that better than bridge process works because uh, you don't actually have to bring the Bitcoin over. It stays where it is. You don't trust it with anybody. Um, but then once once you have that proof of Bitcoin on Ethereum or on any other network, um, get a stable coin for it, you know, get, um, you know, like find some some low gas fee 
thing that you can use, you know, earn yield on it, uh, pay rent with it, buy coffee with it, trade with it, do all incredible things. I mean, there's incredible power over there, and we're we're not close-minded to how cool that solution can be. Uh, we're just thinking, like, boy, isn't there a better way to access the the huge pool of liquidity and and the huge value of Bitcoin without having to give it away in a bridge and hope that yeah. you get it back one day, and and who knows what's going to happen. Totally. I love that. That's really well framed because classically, like I could say and give you guys a hard time, like, and give other people a hard time where it's like the, the like, there is no Bitcoin on the other network. Like a UTXO is a UTXO. It doesn't go anywhere. Like the unspent transaction output doesn't go anywhere. It's all like, it either moves on the Bitcoin chain or it doesn't like it's there or not. And so, yeah, no, I like that. Yeah. Better than we're, 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 yeah, we're not even but, pretending like it is a Bitcoin. We're, we're saying it's a reference right. to a Bitcoin. I yeah. guarantee that there is some Bitcoin over here and we can, you know, we can absolutely cryptographically prove that if yep. you guarantee that the Bitcoin is here and you trade that away, then the Bitcoin yep. actually will get traded to that other person. And that's the moving smart Bitcoin. And we've got mechanisms yep. for that um, white paper probably coming out before the end of the year to, to really explain the, the details. But yeah, the, the idea yeah. is that, yeah, we don't we don't pretend like it's a Bitcoin on another network. It's a reference to a Bitcoin. It's a proof of, as Matt likes to say, proof of collateral. I get that right, Matt. Yeah, nailed it on the nailed right on the head there. The the problem for Bitcoiners today is that Bitcoin is great as a store of value, but what if I want to earn a yield on it? I can't stake it, and if I what if I want to take a loan on it? I I have to take that decentralized Bitcoin and either swap it for centralized wrapped Bitcoin or send it to another protocol, either of which or put it on a bridge, which all are basically centralized forms. So I'm taking kind of like you know, internet level decentralization and just putting it in one place and be like, I hope you don't fail. And that completely goes against the purpose of Bitcoin. So by building a system, for example, with a loan where you have the Oracle kind of governing things or or, or kind of, you know, monitoring things. And if there needs to be a, a liquidation that's triggered through smart contracts, that, that really opens, you know, it lets the user kind of escrow their Bitcoin in their wallet so they keep custody. But they agree to a contract with these, you know, potential outcomes. But then it's it's in a locked state, but it is still in their possession. And then they can use it in loans and other things. Um, and, and so it really solves a huge usability kind of issue or or really and you know adds an important capability and and it also does it in a decentralized way so that if there isn't like a central custodian that could get hacked but there are all these like escrow accounts everywhere where everybody just has their private bitcoin yeah talk to me about expand on how you were saying the difference between a human to human contract and a human to application contract yeah, basically, um, I mean, it's there's very different use cases. Um, the challenge with a human to human kind of system that we ran into early on is then you need kind of like an order book or you need a marketplace, or you need a way for humans to find each other. So, you know, two people might want to enter into a bet. Um, and that is, I mean, I can see that, you know, when this, you know, DLC concept came out, you have Alice and Bob, as we have often in crypto. And so it's like two people. And, well, you know, that seems like, you know, one way the tech could go. And there are some use cases for that. But really what has happened over the years is there's been, I mean, people are building a new financial, you know, fintech system. Like they're building new and vastly improved financial systems that basically will probably do like the same exact things the existing you know system mm-hmm. does like give loans and let you buy things and trade things and 
you know, whatever, uh, have insurance products in there. But, but, you know, that has all, that is getting built right now. And, and so those are done through applications and smart contracts. And so plugging into that emerging ecosystem is, and, and, and there's also the, the other advantage of Bitcoin. I mean, basically the, the core advantage of Bitcoin that it's a store of value. It functions as quote unquote pristine collateral. It is very high quality collateral in, in crypto and in general. So why not, you know, use that as a store of value in these, you know, systems. And, and so, but that requires, you know, human to application, you know, interactions. Yeah. And, and one thing I would just want to add is like, um, you know, recently in the past year or two, I've been, I've seen the shift. Um, I'm an own personal level of using applications such as like Telegram or Signal, things that are like end-to-end encrypted. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of equate that kind of shift um, the same way when we look at like what DLCs are kind of doing. Um, you know, you know, I'm not going to like when even when email came out, like I'm not going to have to write my own email server just so that me and you can can communicate. I'm going to use Gmail. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. I will use Gmail. It's quick. It's easy. It's there for a reason. Um, and so I, I equate that the same way. It's like, yeah, I want to use Bitcoin. Like I could use RAP. But like now there's something better. I yep. think now there's something that I am I am now more comfortable with using. And now I'm going to move to that. And I think as we see the rise of DLCs and, and whatever form that this proof of collateral or, the, you know, this this guaranteed pristine collateral, um, people are going to want to use that. I think people already do want to use it now. That's, that's what we're building. That's what people are asking for. Um, but I think it's that similar shift of I do this something a certain way because it's convenient. But now I'm going to also... I'm going to, I'm going to use it with this, with this better feature because, um, there's, there's no reason not to, I'm not going to use like an unencrypted messaging system now ever again, because I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Got it. Um, yeah. Um, recently I, I heard, uh, Balaji talking about this concept that, um, you know, we don't really invent too much new things, but we, uh, we continue to break them down and repackage them in better ways. So he, he, he mentioned like CDs, how, how we had CDs and you buy an album, but then we had MP3s, but now we have Spotify and it's like packaging, repackaging, unpackaging, uh, but in newer, better forms of technology. And I think that's what we're going to notice with these smart contract protocols. You, we, could, we could go back to, you know, Bitcoin was the innovation on money, but to use it in the very beginning, you're basically back to a barter economy. Like, oh, mm-hmm. let me hand you some Bitcoin for the pizza. Uh, so now we're going to rebuild various tools on smart contract. In this case, the be- the best way, to, the best form of money we're thinking of is is at least using pristine collateral in Bitcoin. Maybe that means you're you're paying an ETH or or a stablecoin or something like that. But it's rebuilding these same banks, the same infrastructure we had yep. before, but building it in the new tech, the the better way to do it, secure, transparent, um, all that. A hundred percent. And that's a new thing that has hit my brain too, is that, so Bitcoin is separating money and state, the human to application contract is redefining what a company is. It's now redefining what a company is. It's potentially separating company and state. I like how you brought up like Balaji, like Balaji's quote the other day on his Twitter, where he says, HR writes to the state. And then Peter Thiel at Bitcoin 2022 said the stock market is quasi government controlled. If you have the ability, so we talked about the two capital structures of the private stock market route and then crypto route. If you, if so, then if you're a founder, you choose which bucket to work for. You come over here, you create an application that then you no longer have 
customers. You no longer have employees. You no longer have founders and investors. There's there's no employer-employee relationship. There's no investor-founder relationship. There's no customers. There's people using software instead of using like the leg- like legacy companies. That's what's happening. And to that's like very that I just, it just feels good that I've been able to explain that now. Like that has really clicked for me very recently. And that's big. It's, it's all going very interesting direction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you can, it's, it's hard to even imagine what this looks like in five, 10 or 15 years. Um, but clearly things are changing at a, at a very cool fundamental level. Like when the internet came in the first place, right? Like it might take 20 years, but everything is being rebuilt from the ground up. And, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll recognize some of the big names in 20 years, maybe not. But the way they operate at the low level with technology is is going to be different. And, and I like how you said that it might, it, the inner workings of a lot of the pieces may or may not change. But the way they you interface with a person, that, that part's going to change. Because we're all becoming much more sovereign. We're not just uh, a part of a collection, right? You've got your private key. You're interacting on the blockchain independently. What do you let's talk about the let's talk about the setbacks like because people crypto is kind of frustrating right now to a lot of people like and just kind of it's hard to explain and people have lost money like to put it bluntly right and like and I'm I'm always I'm like very much an optimist all the time all the time and I can preach the message and talk about the vision and I'm like great at doing that. I do want to acknowledge that, like, how would you guys describe, are people taking advantage of the confusion, like, and selling vaporware or what, like, I, I don't want to characterize, how, how should we characterize the bad parts of what's happening and help the, like, logic kind of shine through it? It's, it's a really complex question, I think, because you have a lot of different types of people and constituents. So you have... I mean, to use kind of gross definitions, you have technical and non-technical people, you have financial and non-financial people, you know, you have people who like just got in because like a cousin of theirs made money randomly. And, and you know, you don't really lose money unless you sell. So you have different kind of financial situations. Like you have people who use their like, you know, disposable income or people who use their savings. Um, and, and you know, it's it's hard to explain to people who don't, you know, look at kind of, I mean, who who don't have any kind of financial training that like this thing started from zero and now it was worth 60,000 and now it's 20,000. And I mean, that's pretty freaking amazing that it, you know, went from zero to 60,000 and look through its history. It has had a number of dips, you know, on this same kind of magnitude, just the numbers bigger now. So it, it's it's really hard to have like one answer for that. But I think that, you know, People in crypto who are building and who understand kind of who have frankly taken the time to research the value props and understand it, they're as excited as ever. Like their Bitcoin is worth one Bitcoin now as it was worth one Bitcoin, you know, years ago. Um, and they're, you know, they're, you know, their trading pairs are correlated to Bitcoin. So like it roughly has kind of moved in a, you know, similar, I mean, probably with exceptions, but, you know, mostly similar ways. And, and, you know, it, it does kind of push people to learn about portfolio construction theory. Like you don't want to risk 100% of your assets or your net worth in it. Maybe like 5% would be better. And then you want to split that up and diversify potentially across multiple coins should, you know, if you, if, if that's what you want to do. But, 
but I, I think it's just like, you know, the te- it's a temporary setback that is also kind of happening at a time of recession, a time of fear, only two, three years after this major pandemic that changed our lives, you know, tremendously, you know, people lost their lives. There's a war, major war, people are losing their lives. It's, you know, feels very unfair, you know, so there's, it's just kind of a crazy time. I don't think, I mean, I have had friends who've lost money. I mean, of course, I, my, the value of my portfolio has fallen um, as well, of course, just like anybody's. But, um, but I think the, you know, it, it's kind of an educational opportunity. It's a good way to get people into, you know, think about portfolio construction, they learn about it. And it's going to go, you know, I think it's going to go, you know, up and to the right over many years, you know, with taking a five to 10 year view you know, uh, it, it, I think it's a good investment, but, you know, it certainly seems like a better investment than like bonds, you know, at the moment. Uh, and so, you know, that is what it is, right? I mean, there's also real estate, there's, you know, stock market, you know, there's, you know, savings accounts. <laughs> I think there's a still around weirdly, but, um, you know, so it is just, I think the builders and people have taken the time to learn into it are not you know, they did not lose their nerve. And in fact, it's really what has really changed as this goes mainstream is, you know, it gets a lot more eyeballs on it. And so there's a lot more commentary and there's, you know, positive, negative, but there's just more. And if any, if, you know, with any early stage project, like all of crypto, you know, the, just the conversations and the active engagement is like pretty much the signal you look for, like what's really like exciting today. You know, this is like happening, good, bad people yelling. Yeah. That there's stuff happening and it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And this is like that perfect time of like, you know, this is not financial advice. We're not, you know, investment advisor, all that stuff. But like the fact that, you know, I, I use that as not only to say that as like, oh, we have to do that, but like think of how many times you've heard that nowadays mm-hmm. on podcasts, on YouTube videos. Like we're saying that because there hasn't been another opportunity like this where people have had this accessibility into investing, into into buying things with their money. Um, you know, Robinhood, bad example, but what, what they did was allow people with a simple, you know, as low as $1 to invest in a stock. You know, that's mm-hmm. something that just hasn't been done before. So it's a little unfair t- for, you know, for, for the naysayers to say like, oh, well, look what happens. It's like, well, what do you have to compare to? Well, it's a perfect, it's a perfect example because their data feed like was uh, behind the wall, like, and then they were giving the data feed, like, to oh, no, I'm even, I'm even, I'm even saying, I'm even saying to get well, to no, the point of putting a dollar example- in. Yeah, but that's why it's a perfect example, honestly, like for what we're talking about is that like the democratization of like what's happening matters. Yeah, precisely. And I think like, you know, with the whole, you know, Terra Luna scandal, it's like, well, you know, what if Doak wanted to use Bitcoin in DLC? Would he have been able to move it if he did allegedly? You know, these are all speculations, but like it's stuff that as we continue, just another example just happens to be on this large broad scale that got attention. You know, I look at, I turned on the news and it was, you know, there was more news on that than anything else that day. Um, and we're talking about a cryptocurrency, which people th- still think is like, oh, it's not real. There's no value. It's like, well, then explain to me why this is on the TV. And then explain to me why this much money got moved or lost or burned. Um, you know, it's just a prime example of, well, as we start to build out more trustless, you know, pieces of software and technology, those things are going to have to be flushed out, you know, mm-hmm. but... To, yeah. I, my, my point was simply that, like, we've never had anything to compare to in terms of people being able to access the capital markets like this, you know. And so, you know, it's like comparing apples to nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Guys, at this stage, we can start winding down. At this stage, where, like, who, 
who are you like building for and who should get in touch with like right now, what would like help? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll take a crack at it. You know, we're looking to build basically the use of Bitcoin collateral on, you know, everywhere on Bitcoin, Lightning, you know, in the future, we've got to, you know, build out DLCs and Lightning support and all that. But that's definitely in our goals. Um, Ethereum, you know, Solana, <laughs> I mean, every chain um, f- using B- uh, using Bitcoin for fiat. You know, so you, what if you could, you know, take a loan in your Bitcoin, get it in fiat and put it into a real estate fund, get a return there and then back to Bitcoin. Cool, whatever. So we're really just building, you know, the intelligent use of Bitcoin for everywhere. Um, and so anyone who's, you know, you know, a Bitcoin developer or entrepreneur or, you know, just is interested in Bitcoin, um, we're publishing things on our blog that are just kind of that kind of just on a high level explain what we do. We have more technical, you know, we have case studies. So um, but our primary market is, you know, we, we we work with developers and entrepreneurs who are building, you know, Web3 apps. And, and are looking to use Bitcoin in a more secure, a more in, programmable, intelligent way, you know, moving Bitcoin in more programmable ways. So if, you know, if, if you happen to be one of those, if you know someone, please reach out. Otherwise, you can always follow our Twitter, you can DLC underscore link and always just get regular updates from us, too. Perfect. That sounds good, guys. Where uh, And then just throw out your individual Twitters. Akibolog. Yeah, I believe mine's Matt underscore Bombard, you know, so we're here. We're real people. <laughs> we're not, uh, you know, JPEGs behind a screen. And, you know, we're, we're, we're like, like so many other great, valuable, smart people working in the industry. Um, we're, we're, this, is a, this is technology and we're building technology. We're building infrastructure. Um, we want people to come and use it. We want people to come and ask us questions. And we, what we really also want is people to criticize it, you know, um, we're, we're sure that phase is coming and, and we can't wait for it. We're excited for it. Um, you know, because, you know, as, as you know, the six of us on our team here, just hammer away at the darkness, trying to, trying to bring light to that, those areas, I'm sure there's, there's going to be stuff that, you know, a lot of gotchas there and we want people to, you know, unravel those. So we don't see a, you know, a Luna thing, or we don't see something in a scandal in that sense. Um, so that's why we're open. We're real people. And we're, you know, we're happy to talk about what we're building. Perfect. Yeah, and, and pretty and pretty soon we're gonna um, hopefully have uh, some way that people can even participate in our community, our network of Bitcoin oracles, because we will want to get many different teams in many different locations posting different kinds of Bitcoin oracles that we can, you know, all choose between trust and have multiple yep. um, forms of resiliency. So for anything like that, uh, for any devs, I would say find our Discord. You know, if you go to dlc.link to find our website dlc.link and then there's a link to our discord and please join us we're very friendly answer questions and have a nice talk perfect no i can attest to that like talking to you guys the other day was awesome and this was this was super fun i appreciate you guys taking the time out of your team on site uh for this so we can uh, just get get the word out there so all right guys we will see you all on the next one hey all this is brian you can reach me on twitter at brain harrington shoot me a dm with any feedback from today's episode this has been a choice app production Bitcoin is becoming centric to personal finance, and we want to help you learn how to better engage with Bitcoin financial services. None of this is financial advice and is for education and entertainment only.